We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. The 105 or 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, well, I about something like that. You better. You want to make this team. Connecting with you, the baseball fan. Fanatic. There's no crying in baseball. No crying. Hit and run on Sports Radio 670 The Score, 670 The Score.com, and the Radio.com app. Good morning to you, baseball fans. What's happening? Baseball people, it is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on a Sunday morning. We are live. We are local. Is this on? It is. It is you. It is me. It is baseball conversation. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. The phone lines are wide open. We are active and ready to chat with you or perhaps at you, whatever you'd like, on a Sunday morning. As we head towards an early Sunday game for the Cubs, we're out of here around 1130 or so for Zach Zabin's pregame. And then it'll be John Lester, the so-named... Weakest thing in the rotation, as, uh, as admitted to by himself, but he's got some competition over the past week or so. Uh, but John Lester will go today. Unfortunately, it is against the Reds' Luis Castillo, who is their absolute ace. And I even mean that with Trevor Bauer on staff now, although I suppose they are co-aces. Trevor Bauer's good, by the way, which you probably rediscovered this week if you were watching the Cubs and the Reds. But anyway, my point is that we are only here for the next two and a half hours. So it's time to dial it in and have some conversation with me right now. A couple of guests along the way. Chris Kampka is going to join us. Camp Connections at 945, our usual weekly foray uh, into the statistical universe with the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, Steph on the Cubs and the Sox. And then at 1040, I'm really looking forward to this, Danny Farquhar. Uh, the former White Sox pitcher, the former Tampa Rays pitcher, very briefly in the New York Yankees system as he tried to come back from his very, very scary uh, brain aneurysm last year. He, tried to, he, he made it all the way back to pitching in the minor leagues and then looked around and realized, you know what, I can't really pitch with these guys anymore. And he retired a couple of weeks ago, but he was hired by the White Sox as a minor league pitching coordinator, a minor league pitching instructor, and I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty jacked about the hire. I, I think Danny's a really, really smart guy, and I'm looking forward to talking to him. I think it's a great story, and it's an interesting hire, and I want to talk with him about stuff that he's learned from other organizations, stuff that he can bring to the White Sox, how this came to be. 
and a role that he played in the evolution of Lucas Giolito, which I need to get to the bottom of with him. So looking forward to that. That'll be about 1040. Along the way, your phone calls and your emails are not merely welcome, but they are elemental to the very completion of the broadcast. So 312-644-6767 is the number. You can text me at 67011. You can tweet at Matt Spiegel 670 as we are rolling on hit and run. Um, I can tell you, by the way, that Mike Montgomery struck out 12 guys in seven shutout innings last night for the Kansas City Royals. Good for him. I genuinely say good for him. It's a nice guy, and he has been very, very unhappy for a while with the Cubs. Has wanted to start. Everybody's known it. He has willingly done the back and forth and been in that crazy role of, of swingman slash occasional starter. Now he gets a chance to finally start in Kansas City. This was his fourth start there, and it was the first one with no pitch count. It was the first one as they've been ramping him back up to starting. First one, like, all right, go. What do you got? Well, he's got 12 strikeouts and seven shutout innings. So that's pretty good if you're Mike Montgomery. Um, and it's funny because I, 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 I arrived here to a text screen filled with items from people who've had thoughts over the last couple of hours and have been wondering where um, some, uh, some live and local programming is. And I'm here. I'm here for you. But here's one right there waiting for me that says, boy, the Cubs could use Mike Montgomery. And I know that feeling probably is there because of the incredibly thin, bizarre nature of this Cubs bullpen right now. I mean, you haven't had Brandon Morrow all year, and maybe you're not counting on it. You didn't have Craig Kimbrell for a long time, but then you did, and now you don't. Brandon Kinsler has probably been the most consistent pitcher in that bullpen all year long, and you don't have him. The other day, Steve Ciszek ends up on the injured list with a hip injury that apparently had been bothering him for a few outings, which is interesting in and of itself. So you don't have him. Kyle Ryan right now is on the bereavement list as uh, he is dealing, obviously, with, uh, with a family loss. And he's got uh, on the bereavement list, he's missed two games. At a minimum, he misses today. That's how that list works, a minimum of three games and a maximum of seven and then Pedro Strope, who is there, is not someone who should be trusted in late innings right now until you figure out whether he has refound himself. He was really, really bad for a while before that injured list stint. So by my count, one, two, three, four, five, six, you're down like six dudes who you thought were going to be useful and important and impactful for you in a bullpen that was already really weird. I believe it is 17 different pitchers, maybe now 18 with Alec Mills, because that's four innings from Alec Mills who pitched out of the pen last night. He's been a spot starter a couple times this year, but Mills goes four innings to finish that one out last night, saves everybody else. That's good. And with Dwayne Underwood, hell, we might be at 19. I'll I'll go look at the bullpen uh, pitchers for the Cubs this year. At the beginning of the year, there was talk of, you know, just got to find eight guys out of 16 or possible 18 when you consider the AAA depth. Well, they're there. They, they, they are there. It is, you've, you've reached up to 17 or 18 different guys out of the pen. So I mentioned all those guys aren't there. And you're wondering who's going to protect a lead. How is this bullpen going to work as the Cubs look to uh, protect a lead? And there hasn't been a lead 
to protect. So I guess that's the good thing when the rotation struggles, when Cole Hamels has a rare, very bad one, when Kyle Hendricks has a brutal one, as he did last night, giving up, what, 12 hits and seven runs, all earned last night for Kyle Hendricks? Woof. So there has not been a lead to protect. If you're still wondering which way Joe will go, if he does have a lead to protect, well, maybe you'll find out today if John Lester can, can pitch well and, and hand a lead over to that bullpen. I think Rowan Wick is the guy. I think that will be the guy who should be the closer, which is crazy in and of itself that we're most confident in that rookie, Rowan Wick, who learned how to throw a breaking ball last year. Last year. <laughs> That's, you know, I finally I figured out how to throw a breaking ball last year, and then this year it's gotten better. And, I, I mean, who's your eighth inning guy if they were to need one today? Is it Dwayne Underwood, who showed up as an extra body the other day and then was absolutely brilliant striking out six men? changing Joe Madden's mind on the fly. You saw it change. I was doing pregame and postgame that night at Wrigley, and you saw it change on the fly. And Joe said, okay, you know, instead of just letting him uh, churn out the rest of this ballgame, I'm going to take him out because we might use him again. He has since been used again once. He has uh, been solid through two outings, trusted more than anyone ever expected. And you know me and Tyler Chatwood. I think Tyler Chatwood deserves some high-leverage, late-work if the opportunity arises. But anyway, you don't have a lead. You don't get to figure out who the trusted guys are there. You know why they didn't have a lead is because Kyle Hendricks was rough and he was facing one of the great stories in the game. As we speak right here, right now, this dude went into this game having played nine games and he had four home runs. Aristides Aquino is his name. And he came up in the second, and he came up in the third. Here are his first two at-bats last night. Dude had four homers, as I mentioned, in his first nine games. And then last night came. Here's the second inning. Aristides Aquino drives one in the air to left down the line. Could be trouble. Schwarber chasing that ball in the corner. That is a home run. A line drive home run right down the line in left. Cincinnati leads 2 to nothing. Aquino now has homered in every game of the series, all three. Aquino homered to left. He drives another one to left field. This is going to leave the yard. Aristides Aquino with his second home run of the game, his fourth home run in the series, and the Reds now lead the ball game by the score of four to nothing. All right, so they're well on their way to what ended up being a 9 to nothing lead, which stood for a while. But Aristides Aquino, all right, at that point he's got six homers in the middle of his 10th game. And Trevor Story of the Rockies is the only guy ever to have seven homers in, in 10 games. And the buildup and the conversation the next time he comes up in the very next inning, in the fourth inning, Aristides Aquino, boy, what a great story this has been. Boy, it's crazy what he's done. Yeah, oh, my God. It's crazy. And then he does it again. Swung on, hit in the air, deep left center. His third home run of the game, and this is the longest one yet. Wow. That was 475 feet right there. His third home run. We're only in the fourth inning of this game. Aristides Aquino. Unbelievable. So seven homers in ten games, three in his first three at-bats. He was walked on four pitches. 
uh, later on by Alec Mills. It was 3-0, and and Mills threw a, uh, a breaking ball out of the zone, and the crowd booed. Then Mills struck him out the next time he saw him. And so this dude ends there. He had a chance, obviously, for four or for five or whatever. But Aristides Aquino, really fun to say. Francisco, that's fun to say. Aristides Aquino, one of those great, fun, explosive young player stories that hits the league a few times a year, right? A guy a lot of you have never heard of, Reds fans had. He's 25 years old. He's in the system since 2011. Signed at age 17 from the Dominican Republic for $115,000. That was the signing bonus eight years ago for this dude. He rose through the prospect ranks, and then he fell. And then apparently, late last year and early this year, he worked with the assistant hitting coach for the Reds. They revamped his entire swing, and now that's him. It's fun. After the game, uh, Joe Madden said, was that Aristides Aquino or Eric Davis? And that is one of my favorite random ball players from the 80s. Oh, my goodness. And a bit the early 90s, but really in his prime in the 80s. Eric Davis was a beautiful athlete for the Reds. Um, and just and if you go back and look at an Eric Davis at bat, which I did this morning because I'm me, and Joe Madden brought it up, he has that same wide-open stance, and then he steps back in to being level. And he has that same very quiet swing that Aristides Aquino has. So Joe has a wonderful eye for historical comps like that. And Aristides Aquino, the only Red ever to homer in four straight games other than Eric Davis. So they are joined at the hip in some ways. Um, All of this is a fun little bit to talk about, which allows me not to talk about Kyle Hendricks, who was bad and has continued to be bad on the road. You think the home road splits, the home road disparity is is offense related it's not the pitching staff overall has an era of one and a half runs higher on the road than it does at home kyle hendricks himself 12 starts on the road it's an era of 5.16 he's allowed an ops of 867 on the road at home 10 starts, an ERA of 1.98. Allowed a 5.43 OPS at home. Folks, that is more than three runs worse on the road than he is at home. What is going on there with him? He was asked about it again after the game. He shrugged and said, ah, I don't know. It's just, you know, sometimes I've had a couple bad outings. And he's right about that. I think he's had three real bad outings on the road, and those have skewed the overall numbers in those 12 starts. But, hey, those outings count. For, for Hendricks, I, I, I don't know. For any of them, we don't know. It's, everybody's got their own crackpot theory as to what the home road splits are all about, right? I loved the other night when, when somebody set up the home jerseys in their lockers as they showed up there. Everybody had a good laugh. They went out and put up, what, 12 runs in the first game of this series? Looked really good. Ian Happ driving the ball like crazy. Everybody slapping it around. And then the last two, clunkers. Clunkers. And here they are. They can't win this series. If Lester gets the win today, they'll split the series. But this will be the 11th straight road series that has not been won. May 17th through May 19th. In Washington is the last time the Cubs won a series on the road. They're 0-8 now. Or is it 0-7 or 0-6-1, whatever it is, because if this one ends up a tie. 
anyway, they've, they haven't won a single road series within the division. Not one. Craziness. Absolute craziness. And this, this bullpen is such that you cannot survive a downturn with the vaunted starting rotation. You can't afford this right now. That's your strength. It has been your strength all year. It's been your strength lately. Very recently, they went, what, six games without walking a guy? Everybody had been rolling. And now not so much. Hamill's bad. Hendricks bad. Lester, over his last four, has an ERA over seven, a 7.36 ERA. He goes in today coming off a game where he allowed, what, 11 runs, 10 of them earned, worst in his career. You can't afford this. Thought you Darvish pitched very, very well the other night, except for the home run balls. And he himself said it three different home, roll, home run balls, and that was that. But he was hitting 97. He was mixing his stuff up, just maybe not quite enough fastballs sometimes. Falls in love with the cutter a little bit too much. But he was coming off a game where he'd been great and used the cutter like crazy. So with this nice, juicy ball, it's hard to avoid the every once in a while home run. For him, it was three. And that was rough against Bauer. There was enough. But, hey, uh, Cubs have not scored a lot of runs. You know that. Three runs over the last two games. Score more runs. And with the uh, state of the bullpen, you might have to score eight. might have to score nine. If the rotation has some trouble, you have to score even more than that. But, my goodness, it's an ugly two games. The good news, even with what happened last night, which is uh, the Brewers and the Cardinals, I believe they both won. I think the Brewers had an Eric Thames walk-off, and I think the Cardinals won too. Either way, Cardinals two games back, Brewers one and a half back right now. So division's still nice and tight. The Reds only six back, and the Cubs have some work to do. Got some work to do. We all knew they were. For a moment there, it felt like, you know, maybe they're going to run away and hide now. Maybe they're finally going to run away and hide. I think there'll be another moment where we feel that way. I still think... They are certainly the best team in the division. I still very much like the deadline acquisitions. Nicholas Castellanos is a hungry breath of fresh air. Derek Holland has been better than you thought. David Phelps is useful. Tony Kemp has a decent contact bat. I mean, these guys are, are useful. And it's been a, a nice little batch of acquisitions. I think they will win the division. But it's been ugly for the last couple, and I understand. All right, it's Matt Spiegel here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We've got to talk about Reynaldo Lopez being useful, showing himself to be useful again when he doesn't have great swing and miss stuff. Still getting through, what, six and a third last night for Lopez? I feel pretty good about him as we head towards next year as a viable part of your rotation, even if it is in the back half of the rotation. He told you the second half was going to be different for the White Sox, and it has been different for the White Sox. So that, that is good. And Eloy Jimenez hits a home run on the night of his bobblehead giveaway, which celebrates his first home run. It's Harold Baines Day on the south side. We'll talk about that as well. Cubs stuff, White Sox stuff, Chris Kampka later in the hour, Danny Farquhar next hour, your phone calls, texts, and tweets on Hit and Run all morning long. This hour of The Score is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call one cars for kids Keep it right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a ground ball, right side, base hit. It'll drive in one. The second run heading to the plate. The throw by Castellanos not in time. Two runs score. It is seven to nothing. Sonny Gray with an opposite field two-run single, and the Reds have built up a huge lead here in the third inning. Now that's embarrassing. When the pitcher gets you for a two-run single, and it, it, I mean that, that one hurts. You're embarrassed. You're, you're ashamed. I'm stupid. You're smart. I'm I'm very uh, unattractive. You're extremely good-looking. I mean, you don't feel good about things. And if you're a fan, I'm sure that some of you said, you know what, screw this noise. I'm going to go ahead and turn off this game at 7-0 and carry on into what was a beautiful night in Chicago last night. My goodness, it was gorgeous. It's hit and run on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel here with you up until about 1130 or so when Cubs pregame uh, takes over. But, yeah, Sonny Gray with the two-run single off Kyle Hendricks, and that ain't good. Uh, Before we get to the phone calls, some texts at 670-11. Why does Cubs brass say that Kyle Hendricks can't make in-game adjustments? That's something a good pitcher should be able to do, right? I'm glad you asked. That quote, and I was in the dugout when that was being said uh, towards the beginning of the year, was about mechanical adjustments specifically. Not like pitch selection or, you know, game plan, but mechanical. Like if something is a little screwy in the delivery, and Hendricks is, say, not extending the hand far enough or something's a little weird with the fingers or just something so minute. And remember, these, these pitching deliveries are so incredibly, incredibly convoluted and detailed and specific that that's something that can't really get fixed during the game. And you know what? A lot of good pitchers echo that. A lot of smart pitchers echo that. Len Casper did a great two-part Q&A with Trevor Bauer during this Red Series. The second part aired, I believe, uh, yesterday uh, before the game. Uh, Maybe we'll play it later if we have time. It was really interesting. But anyway, one of the things that was in there was Bauer saying that he can't make adjustments during the game, that he's got to go because I think Len was asking, when you're off, do you notice the feel of it or uh, through film? And he said both, but usually the feel, and then he can't fix it. He can't fix it during the game because he doesn't know exactly what it is, doesn't know exactly what it is until he goes in and breaks it down with those Edgertronic million-frame cameras that, um, that so many teams use these days. So Kyle's not alone in that universe. All right, let's go to the phone lines. This is Kerry in Bourbon A. Kerry, you're on Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel. What do you say, Kerry? How are you? I'm just trying to figure out, in the history of baseball, has there ever been a Jekyll and Hyde team? That's been able to win anything. Yes. By Jekyll and Hyde, I mean home, obviously, awesome, road, horrible. Yes. Um, There have been, because I said it a few weeks ago, Kerry, I said, man, if you're 10 games under 500 on the road, you're probably not going to the World Series or even making the playoffs. And I was furnished with a stat from our man Scott Lindholm, Scott in Davenport. And I can look it back up, but it was at least six different teams that had gone to the World Series with a road record of 10 games under 500. So the answer is yes. 
The answer is yes, because baseball is weird, and because once you make the playoffs, then if you're hot, you're hot, and who knows what can happen. Okay, well, I, I apparently missed that conversation. I apologize. No, no, no apologies necessary. I'm glad you brought it back up, um, because that, that's what you think as you watch these guys, and thanks for the call, Kerry, is that, you know, I mean, it's just so weird. So how are you expected for them to be, you know, the road team in a five-game series with the Atlanta Braves? And take uh, take at least one on the road at Atlanta, or be the road team in a seven game series with the Dodgers, and take a couple in L.A. as needed. How how can you expect that to happen? I get it. I'm just telling you that it has happened before. It's baseball, man. Eighty three win teams have won the World Series. No, I mean not a lot, but it's happened. This is Dave in Glenview on six seventy. The score. Hello, Dave. How are you? Good morning. Great show. Thank you, sir. Um, you know, I can't believe that somebody hasn't figured out the uh, camel or the elephant in the tent. Madden's mantra is play hard, party hard. They've got to be room in the new stadium. Mm-hmm. These guys are drinking themselves away. Why didn't we win as a um, uh, dynasty in 17 and 18? Because for five months, everybody was drinking. You know, they didn't pick up a bat, a ball, or a mitt for five months. There was no spring training. They went straight into the season and, you know, the playoffs, but nowhere in the playoffs in the last two or three years. Hey, Dave, there was there was spring training in 2017, and they called I'm, it the I'm talking wo- about the comment by the players. Yeah, they that, called it the, the World Series hangover. They, they absolutely yeah. did. And then, yeah. uh, you know, you just went into history with the uh, road and games with this last caller. Uh-huh. Okay, do you know how many teams – in the history of baseball since the first pitch was thrown in the 1800s, have repeated uh, back-to-back World Series. Do you know how many teams have done that? I do not know. that. I know, okay, head. because yeah. it's been discussed many times, just like you went and did research uh-huh. on 83-game uh, on teams or, or more or okay. less that uh, have won World Series. That's okay? what it's eight teams, okay? Eight out of thousands and thousands and thousands of games. Eight teams have repeated. Mm-hmm. Why? I'll help you. The hangovers. These guys are drinking. I'll tell you what. If if, uh, if Theo and the management over there are willing to try anything, capital anything, underlined, exclamation point, anything, try one week shutting off the, the taps and the whiskey and the champagne for the Cubs. Try one week All right, Dave, and see I, what happens. This, this potential slander must now end. We thank you for your call. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's not slander if it's just a caller guessing, right? I don't think he's very well sourced. Um, but, I, I mean, I, I could be wrong. By the way, it, it's way more than eight. Uh, there are 14 teams have repeated as World Series winners, Dave. So that it, it's... Uh, it's sort of problematic with your with your research there, um, but that's you know that's okay. Fourteen different teams to repeat as winners. Um, look, booze is it's 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 the devil's business. Okay, uh, John Barleycorn must die. Sang traffic years ago because because that stuff will get you. All right, I understand, but that celebration room is not really just about booze. It's not what it is, and not everybody drinks the same. On any team, there's uh, all different sorts of folks and personalities. I, you know, so so look, we we don't. I don't think we really have to truly entertain the very specific nature of his, of his uh, assumptions of uh, of drinking. Okay, 
And by the way, good luck with your hangover, Dave. <laughs> it's just a guess. I don't, I don't know. Or good luck with your sobriety, which has been hard fought and, and long won and continuing into your eventual dotage. I, I don't know. But I, I'll say this. The feeling of being good, the, the confidence, and on some level, the mild... Mm, my, I don't want to say apathy, but just the, the loss of that little edge because, oh, we're good. We can do this. That is a natural, understandable, if frustrating, human element that is certainly a part of baseball where you need to be on point for every moment of, of every game because you never know when that specific uh, changing moment, that turning point can come. So that's why a team like this needs guys like Nicholas Castellanos. And Madden said he's reminding us what hunger looks like. And that was well stated. It's absolutely true. It's why teams, it's why even those dynasties that you're talking about, those back-to-backers that you're talking about, say those 98 to 2000 Yankees, yeah, they had a hell of a great core with Jeter and Posada and Pettit and Mariano, but every year they'd add somebody, right? Every year they'd add a couple. You gotta, you gotta keep keep mixing it up a little bit. Throw a th- throw a newbie in there, okay? It can absolutely um, be done, and you've just got to mix. Uh, you got to mix it up. That that was uh, that was that was pretty fun, Dave. I enjoyed the conversation. But yeah, fourteen back to back. So for the next time you make the call and you want to. Come on strong with the, with the philosophy. Go 14 instead of 8. Thank you for the call. This is Joe on the west side on 670 The Score. Hello, Joe. How are you? Hey, enjoying it. Hey, just real quickly, I just think Madden needs to stop patting these guys, and he needs to make hold them accountable. The only guy on the team I think can be justified for being poor happy is Rizzo because they're pitching him inside. The other guys, Baez and all them, Bryant, Swinging on three and zero, they need to stop swinging on three zero. Take the walk, go to first base. He needs to hold these guys accountable. Pitch a mess up, he pat them on the butt as they go to the dugout. Listen, and then stop it. He needs to hold these guys accountable. One and two runs is not going to do it. I'll hang up and hear what you got to say. Thank you very much, uh, Joe. Uh, appreciate it. I, I think he is holding them accountable. Actually, I think it's gotten to a point in the year where the, if you can, if you deserve to play, you play, and if you don't deserve it, then sit down. Ian Happ was hitting everything hard, deserved to find his way into the lineup on a regular basis, um, and now we'll see if that continues or not. Albert Amora had a couple of good games offensively, deserved to play, so they got him back in there. Um, Albert Almora has chased down some long fly balls of late but not finished the job, and that's frustrating to watch because you're there in large part for your defense. That's why um, it feels good to see Albert Almora starting in center field every once in a while or to see him in late innings in center field. That defense has been problematic. I I do think there is an accountability um, that has gone on now. Maybe it took a little longer than some people wanted, but I feel, I feel pretty good about the accountability in terms of if you play, then yeah. Then, then if you hit, then you get to play. Uh, a texture, by the way, correctly points out as we were talking about road teams and road wins. How about the, the Minnesota Twins in 1987? They were 56-25 and 25 at home, a 691 winning percentage. They were 29-52 and 52 on the road. Man, 23 games under 500, a 358 win percentage, 
and they went on to win the World Series. Get in. And what's, what's interesting, if you remember, and I think they did it in 87 and 91, every one of the World Series games was won by the home team. They had home field advantage in what was then the arbitrary uh, American League, then National League, then American League, then National League, the flip-flop back and forth for, uh, for home field advantage. They had home field advantage, and they took their four home games, and that was that. 670 the score. It is uh, Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Your Western Conference champion, Chicago Wolves, will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. And get in the game with the Chicago Dogs baseball today with pregame autographs by Carlos Zambrano and the team and $3 bottomless popcorn and soda on Family Sunday. Tickets at TheChicagoDogs.com. The Chicago Dogs baseball with everything cam connections is next on the score danny farquhar at 10 40 looking forward to that very much it is hit and run right here on 670 the score good morning and welcome into Hit and Run, if you're just getting here. And if you've been here, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking around. And we've hit the 944 moment in the show when we bring in our man, Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, to talk a little Cubs, talk a little Sox, and the goings-on this week in our town. What's up, Chris? How are you? Oh, I'm exhausted. So much baseball this week to consume. There's so many interesting, fun things going on and so many less than fun things, but it's all interesting at the very least. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff uh, nationally um, to, to sort of follow along with. Jordan Alvarez with a three-homer game for the Astros last night. The Mets have won, what, like 15 out of 16? I think it's eight in a row, and now they're actually beating good teams in the Washington yeah. Nationals, so that's a very, very real thing. we got Mike Trout playing at Fenway and homering. Lots of, lots of fun stuff around the league. Yeah, absolutely. So it's fun to keep on top of all this stuff. But uh, let's come back to Chicago and uh, come up with a couple of notes from around the area. These so, are Twib notes. These are your version of Twib notes from around Chicago. Yes, sir. Yeah, there you go. I like it. So let's start with the Cubs. New Darvish has been on a pretty good run, except for, like you said, the home runs. But so if you take his first eight games... 540 ERA, 44 to 33 strikeout to walk ratio, 1.33 strikeouts for every walk. That's nine, 4.70 ERA, 61 strikeouts to 16 walks. Now we're getting better. 3.81 strikeout to walk. Then 3.24 ERA in his last seven, 53 strikeouts, two walks. That's 26 and a half strikeouts for every walk. And so my favorite nugget of this is this. His first five batters he faced this season, he walked three of them. First five batters of the season, three walks. His last seven starts, two walks. (laughs) And he's really turned into a premium strike thrower. 71% strikes over the last seven. So he has really turned it around and you know, started to give you what you were looking for in the first place. He's just got to be able to keep the ball in the park better. But when he's 
eliminating the walk, that's one method of getting on base. And so most of them tend to be solo shots lately anyway. Whatever you just did with your phone was very helpful for the quality of your voice. So keep it right there, by the way, Chris Kampka. Um, All right. I'll, I'll be a statue from here on out. Yeah, do, do not move, my friend. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, Darvish now being a strike thrower changes everything because his stuff is so good. And people have said this for a long time. Just throw strikes. Stop nibbling. Stop nibbling with that fastball. And some of it was injury. Some of it was confidence. And now it's not anymore. So just just attack. And even if you're like a little bit um, wild around the zone, as long as you're, you know, you're close, your stuff is just so good and so deceptive that it is going to play and people are going to swing and miss. And that's what they're doing. Absolutely. Uh, one quick Kyle Schwarber note. So he has 99 career home runs now in 449 games. As long as he hits a home run in his next 37 games, he will be the quickest Cub among Cubs who made their major league debut with the team to 100 career home runs. Hmm. So that's all he needs to do. One home run over his next 37 games. Chris Bryant currently holds the record with getting to 100 home runs in 487 games. Schwarber, 449 with one to go. So there should be a new leader at the top of that list. Crazy considering, you know, how much he's been a polarizing figure um, in that Cubs lineup over the last few years. Yeah, it's because the expectations were absurd and placed that way by some of the comments from the scouts and the executives and 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 some from the fans because the playoff moments were just were just remarkable. There were so many great playoff moments, and you're thinking that that was going to translate. And it's been it's been a really interesting roller coaster. But there you are. It will be the fastest Cub to 100 homers, as you say. He's going to hit 100, 100 homers. I wonder where he is on that very cool list we got earlier this year when Joey Gallo became the fastest uh, or became the guy to reach 100 homers with the fewest singles of anybody in baseball. And it led us to, to chase down that top 10 list of guys who had 100 homers and had very few singles. And it was people like Ryan Howard and Russell Brannion and Chris Carter and you know, guys like that were, were on that list. I wonder, I wonder where Schwarber is in career singles next to guys like that. And maybe, maybe he's better than, than I think, but... Uh, on on the face of it, I'm guessing he's he's traveling in those kind of circles. Yeah, well, that should be an interesting research project for the coming week, no? Right, yeah. I, I, well, I, we'll have to take a look into that. Yeah. We'll, we'll revisit this in the future. Thank you, sir. I will check it out. Also, he's uh, he's not striking out very much lately. And, I mean, he struck out a couple times uh, the other night in the 5-2 in the loss, but... Other than that, he's got he's got four Ks uh, in August, and then there were none for the four games before that in July, uh, and only one in the last six games of that in July. So it's uh, for him that's been very good, actually. Yeah, still very productive. Let's move on to the South Side, please. All right, so this is this is this is a fun one right here. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing. It's a Leury Garcia feat. Now he's currently on a twenty-game on-base streak, which is the longest by the White Sox this year, by five games. So 20-game on base streak. Here's the thing. He's managed to do it with the bare minimum. He has a 300 on base percentage during this 20-game on base streak 
which is nearly impossible to do, <laughs> yet very impressive in my opinion, I think. So I went to, bo- I went to look back since 2000. Did you say a 300 on base percentage in a 20-game on base streak? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, that's exactly what I said. I went back to 2000 and took a look at every 20-plus game on base streak, and I only managed to find one with a lower on base percentage over the span, and that was a Yadier Molina 21 game on base streak in 2017 where he had a 295. But back to Leary Garcia. So a 300 on base during his 20 game on base streak. His on base percentage for the season actually has dropped since the beginning of this on base streak, improbably. It was 326 entering this streak and is currently at 321. It's pretty amazing. It really is. I mean, they credit to him for really, you know, taking advantage of the, the playing time that he's received. I mean, he's hitting in the pretty decent average. His on-base percentage is around league average. Um, but that's a lot better than he had been in the last few years. And he's really been able to figure out how he wants to do it, which is a lot of first-pitch ambushes. And he's been able to make a lot of contact and, and get hits. Um so during the streak, 20 games, two walks only, which is partially why it's so low. But those happen to be the only two games where he didn't get a hit. So it just works out perfectly. And he's just getting by, and he's got that 300 on base percentage over a 20-game on base streak. And it's very improbable and quite amazing in my opinion. That is some crazy stuff. Uh, thank you, Chris Kampka. Um, it's you know, it, it's it's weird. I I still think he's a he's a useful piece. I'm uh, I'm getting a little I'm getting a little discouraged at the concept of them fully contending next year. I, I have been thinking that that was going to be the case, especially in that that rousing first half when they got to 500. I still think they can, but they need to have a damn near perfect off season to do it. Yeah, and, and I think you know while Leary is you know done. A decent job. He does not profile as leadoff hitter. He just doesn't walk enough. He doesn't take enough pitches. But yeah, he could maybe, you know, he's really, um, I think, earned a chance of being like a utility guy yeah. um, in that role. So that works for him. I just think, you know, the White Sox could use a, some better lineup construction. Um, more, more boppers at the top of the lineup. Get your better hitters in the top few spots. Hmm. Um, to give him more chances. Aloy Jimenez, I would say hit him in the top three. Get him a plate appearance in the first inning, guaranteed every day. Um, that's what I'd like to see going forward. Uh, and Abreu as well. Have have those two. And I would actually go Moncada. I would go Jimenez second and Abreu one, two, three. Get your best three hitters um, and maybe have Tim Anderson slide in fourth while he's still hot. So punch him up. Get, get your power at the top of the lineup and have some synergy. Interesting. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you. All right, thanks. You got it. It's Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Staff from NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah, Rick Renteria and lineup construction is a uh, a very common point of frustration for White Sox fans. Lineups in general... Um, you know, it's it's a great talking point for us in baseball, and some people have dismissed the the personal nature, the mental nature of lineup construction. And I think, and, and I, I'm pretty sure this has happened, that 
Jason Hayward's commentary on what it is to do that job and the fact that he was the right guy for that job for a while and finally has acquiesced and become that guy again, that that kind of conversation has has turned on the light for a lot of people in realizing that, oh, yeah, it's not just another lineup spot. It's not. It's funny. We have a texture here that says that, come on, Matt, Schwarber was a natural. And then Madden put him in leadoff. And you make the caveman think it changed his hitting approach and messed him up. I am not going to dismiss that. I will not dismiss that. They, but it's the Cubs brass thought that he, and still thinks that he is more hitter than slugger um, because he has shown the ability and, and, and it's tantalizing at times. But man, that, that leadoff spot can mess with you, just like the closer spot can mess with you. Talk to Brandon Kinsler this week right after Kimbrell went down. Hey, are those last three outs different? Yes, they are, and I don't care what anybody says. They are different, and, you know, and it's just especially that last one, the pressure is so high. Listen to the way that these guys talk. Mark Melanson, by the way, is now the closer down in Atlanta, and, and he as it was talking about that. Yesterday, Melanson taking over. I mean, there's instructive stuff about this in all directions. Shane Green is who the uh, Braves traded for, and you thought that was going to be the closer. Guy was a closer in Detroit. All of a sudden, he gets to Atlanta. Oh, boy, those games matter a lot more. That's a very different situation. He's been bad. So Melanson, who has done the job before and done it well and is completely fearless and knows that uh, he can handle the tension of every pitch in the ninth, is now being handed the job for a first-place team. So, the mentality matters. 670, the score, is where you are. It is Matt Spiegel on Hit and Run. we got phone lines open for a while. Um, White Sox fans, uh, do, you, do you believe that they are going to contend next year, or is it further away? I, I've been saying staunchly that they can contend next year, but now I think they need a perfect offseason. And Cubs, as well, we can talk, and I want to talk, including including the state of that bullpen, the crazy-ass state of that bullpen with all the injuries right now. If you want to give me your crackpot home road split theory, you can do that as well. Danny Farquhar coming up at 1040. It is hit and run right here on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.